We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. You can't handle the truth. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Here's Johnny. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? And welcome to another Thursday night. I hope that if you spoke Italian, you were just uh, listening to Arda's show, Hashtag Italia. Um, and well, I hope you're listening. If you don't speak Italian, maybe you'll learn an learn a Italian word or two. Uh, my name is Lewis. I am here with my uh, wife, Catherine, who is filling in for our co-hosts, uh, Rachel and Cecilia, as they are both unavailable today. Can't you fill in for one of them and I'll fill in for the other? What's, uh, I'll fill in for one, but I'm always here. Yeah, oh, you so you change. Mics. I can't be two people. I can't believe you did that. I was like, Cat was Cat was just mentioning how on the fly, like I, I do everything, and she was sitting across from me, and then you weren't. No, no, wait, it just you confused me because I, I have that, not moved. That person, chair. that person who sits there is over there, and then but you're sitting in front of me with where the other mic is. It's very confusing. So you, you bring you bring someone new into the studio and they just throw Mess everything, with things. throw everything out of out of the things. So, so I had your wrong mic on. So um, ah. yes, but uh, now now you're. So what you're suggesting is that you're not as good at operating as the other girls. Well, to be fair, like you know, they've got a lot more practice at it than I have because uh, I, I stopped doing the desk about fifteen years ago. <laughs> right. And uh, not not through any fault of my own. It was just that uh, Cecilia and Rachel uh, they they decided to. to take over and, and do the desk and and i was just like fair enough easy ride for you i'll I'll sit back and i'll just uh, oh, so i'm sitting in your chair yeah yeah so yeah. i'm filling in for you and you're filling in for rachel and cecilia exactly exactly uh and we'd just like to say a happy birthday to cecilia it's uh, uh unfortunately she is stuck at work but hopefully she gets off that and uh, at some point get some get some cake you know because yes. that's what you need for your birthday Cake and booze. Booze and cake. Well, I was going to say cake and bubbles, but you can put it as crassly as you want. <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, hopefully she has a good time and uh, hopefully she has a good birthday weekend because I don't think you should just celebrate your birthday over a day. No. If you've got to work, it should, yeah. that should go, go for the whole weekend, I, I, I reckon. I'd go for a month. You, I know you've tried. <laughs> <laughs> I've given it a good shot. Yes, yes. Um but yeah, uh, so we're here for Unscripted the Film Show and we are here to talk about uh, films and, you know, on the way in we were like, oh, what are we going to talk about? And we go, well, we've got that, uh, you know, one movie, Prey, that we saw on Disney+. Plus, um, and I suppose we can, you know, talk about other things as well. But then we went, oh, there's that... You know, um, Tuesday uh, Club. Tuesday Club movie that mm-hmm. we haven't talked about yet, which is out this week, I think, or maybe uh, maybe advanced screenings. Um, we also saw The Grey Man on uh, Netflix um, and uh, we've we've got other stuff to talk about as well. We've just got bundles of things to talk about. Um, but the the first thing I want to talk about was um, you and I have never had a TV in our bedroom. Well, in, since we've had our own house, we've never yeah. had a TV in our bedroom. That's true. I think there was a period that um, you had a TV always set up at your parents' place, didn't you? I did, yes. And before I moved out of um, my parents' place, I had a TV set up in there. But I think that was a different kind of thing. That was like a so you could watch your own thing kind of thing. But when you move out, 
your lounge room TV is your TV. Yes. You can watch whatever you want. Yeah, it's unlikely your dad is going to come in and just turn the channel uh, <laughs> when you're midway through a show, which I find is just... You shouldn't have given your dad a front door key. No, no, my... my, <laughs> see, that's, that's my I, when people tell me that, that their parents... That, when I say parents, it's never the mum. It's always, it's always like... We'll be watching like uh, you know, a show and we'll be halfway through it and then the dad will walk in and just go, football, and uh, just change the channel uh, without asking uh, and uh, just you know, like it's their right or something. Mm. Um, but no, I, I, I never had that. My, my dad was very um, uh, you know, polite in, in that You regard. have this really democratic household. It's bizarre. It's we, very foreign. We did. Well, I mean, immediately it was only up to when I was a teenager that like when I was 14, 15, when I got my own TV. So then there was never any, like if I want to watch something, I'd just go and watch something in my room. Mm. But before that, it was kind of like, yeah, we were more um, watch things together as a family and did that, that sort of thing. But yeah, there was never any, he wants to watch something so he'll change the channel. There was always a, you know, there was a, a, a vote. Um, <laughs> vote, uh, and really? It was, uh, it was a preferential voting system, wasn't uh, first past the post. It was very complicated. We actually had was it get, anonymous as well? Um, yes, yes. So we, we had to get the Australian Electrical Commission involved. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so basically we never saw anything because uh, we just spent all our time voting what we should watch and never got around <laughs> to actually watching anything. And you have to get Anthony Green in to like you know, do the results and where he thinks it's going to land. I know, I know. It was actually the number one rated program on TV but we never got to see it. Always wanted to but, you know, that's just the way things go. Oh. Um, but uh, we, we have a, a TV in our bedroom now which is uh, – we had a wall that like was just – you know, crying out for a TV to be put on it. I liked my breakfast at Tiffany's picture that was up on the wall, <laughs> FYI. But, you know, continue. There's only so long you can look at a picture and just go, I wish it would change. Change into <laughs> something else. Um, but so we, we did, uh, it was a whole thing. Like it wasn't just a, like we get a telly and we stick a telly in. It was we had to uh, get a, a new dresser thing because the existing dresser and the TV weren't going to go together. And so we had to get a new dresser, sell the old dresser, and then we had we had no PowerPoints where the TV was going to go. So we had to get electricians in to put PowerPoints in, and then we had to get somebody to come in and professionally hang the TV so that we got the, uh, the, the because we're not professional. We are, no, very unprofessional. <laughs> like it would have been, what we we would have been asleep at night, and then at three o'clock in the morning we would have heard, started to hear creaking before a the, cracking noise. Yeah, before the massive crack and the TV yeah. hits the ground. So. Um, much better to get a professional to do do these things. Uh, but we've got the TV up now and we're excited because our last television was in 2012 uh, and it was an LG TV we bought because it was 3D mm-hmm. and we could watch Avengers in 3D on that. And we're very excited and we thought it was the bee's knees. I think the first thing that we might have watched on it was Alice in Wonderland by memory. Yes. It was definitely the first 3D disc that we owned. Yeah. But yeah, so in prefer- um, prepare- can't talk preparation... For you're the one with the Red Bull. This is the thing. I haven't had enough caffeine. Mm. In preparation for Avengers coming out, we did that. But in preparation for this particular TV going up, we did a lot of research and we went, ooh, OLED. Yes. So so we got uh, an LG OLED TV. So it's like 10 years between our TVs. Mm-hmm. And when we got the original uh, LG, which was an LED TV, mm-hmm. the the stark contrast between a, a a normal conventional standard definition TV and a high definition TV mm-hmm. was just 
oh my god it was like the the picture was so crisp and clear it felt like the people were in the room with you and but it, they were a bit too big as well yeah. especially for those close-up shots it was weird and so it, it kind of like had an unrealistic feel to it that you had to get over and you got over it fairly quickly I, I found yeah and I was kind of expecting the same thing with a, an OLED TV that there was going to be that leap in definition stuff because when you go to the shops and they've got the the paint splashing and the mm. really vibrant um, you know flowers and stuff like that which you know admittedly you know they show the nicest things to really show what the TV oh and it must do. be like really really scaled up stuff oh yes yeah uh but when you watch the tv uh like at home and stuff like that you can tell the quality is better with a, a 4k tv mm. but it's not that massive jump from standard to eight high definition no, it, and that was the amazing thing was that when we went back to watching the normal lounge room TV, there wasn't that feeling of disappointment because I was like going, oh, we might have opened a can of worms here. Yeah. <laughs> but we didn't. And um, But I think the stark difference is that when there is like a scene, um, a, a scene change and so they fade to black, it goes to black. Mm. Like there is no light coming out at all from the TV. It's, it's fantastic. A little bit creepy when you're watching Only Murders in the Building, but... <laughs> Fantastic! I actually thought the TV just died yesterday <laughs> when we were watching Only Murders in the Building and all of a sudden it just went black. Went, oh, my God, the TV's broken. <laughs> but then it, then it came back on because, yeah, the, with the OLED, they actually mm. switch off so there's no light source. So when, Yeah, so when there's black on your screen, it means that the pixel is not lit at all. Mm. It's fantastic. And so when you have a letterbox film and you see black bars at the top and bottom, uh, in a uh, conventional high-definition screen where there's light behind it, it's kind of a a washed out grey kind of colour mm. whereas with a uh, OLED because the, there's just the void of light it is pure black so it's just yeah it's pretty, pretty it's pretty it's pretty good it's, it's pretty, pretty. Good. yeah and what film did uh, we decide to watch first on the oh on there was screen? so much debate about this and so we had some 4k discs that we'd invested in and funnily enough first 4k disc that we'd ever bought was um, Captain Marvel because the edition that we brought was the VHS box and that included a 4K edition. And that's the only 4K that we've owned, I believe, until this point. So we brought a couple of discs that we thought we might want to look at um, a few weeks ago when um, a particular place that sells DVDs had a sale. And we bought amongst, uh, there was probably about five or six different discs that we bought, but one of them was Avengers Endgame. And the other one was Moana. Well, actually, Avengers Endgame we bought when it came out. So that was another one where we got on 4K. Oh, pardon because me. I, I thought at the time, we're going to get a 4K TV at some point in time. <laughs> and I'd like to see this in 4K. So, okay, fair call. Yeah. Fair call. So you got like the 4K Blu-ray right. combination yeah, exactly. thing. Right, okay. Anyway, so we even eventually settled on Endgame. Um, and it's kind of cool because... Um, it's a big, long kind of film, but we could snuggle up in bed and watch it, and it was great. Exactly, it was it was good, and lots of uh, there were bits that were bright and light, and mm -hmm. there were bits of dark as well. So mm -hmm. you got to really use the the four K TV for to its full um, uh, to its full you know beautifulness. I don't know; it's very hard to s describe. And also experience the sound because you got a sound bar as well mm. um, to go with it, and getting that really intense sound. You've never seen anything so funny as someone setting up a Sonos sound bar in their in their room because the you have to do this weird thing where you like walk around and like 
kind of, uh, like you have to walk around raising and lowering your phone so that it can play these noises and work out what's what in the room and then it optimizes the sound for the space which is great but that like if you'd walked back in the house you would have thought I'd lost the plot <laughs> But no, it's good. It's, you've set it up really well, so it's, it sounds great. And and the thing, uh, like, if sorry, this is a very like a technical kind of start to the show because usually we don't get. Yeah, the, I know. And again, you're talking about home. I, I believe that the girls pulled you up on this last week. Yeah, no, no. I was talking about you know home, as in like you know uh, doing home cleaning and stuff. Uh-huh. So yeah, so this this is different. This is to do with like watching movies. Um, <laughs> but the um, yeah, with sound bars, I didn't know the, these days because we got a sound bar for our other TV and it's mm-hmm. just a soundbar that's there and you don't need anything else. But a lot of the ones you buy these days, you get a, a subwoofer that does all those bassy kind of things, you know, so like mm. the rumbly kind yeah. of... We, we know what this sounds like. We but, know what basses. Yeah, yeah, I know. But the uh, And a lot of them come with those these days. Whereas we didn't want that. We just wanted a bar that's going to you know, be all in one. Mm. And I f- still feel you get some bassiness from just that, that soundbar. I think it does a pretty good job. Mm. And it did a really good job when we watched Moana the next morning. And just like the audio was really nice in terms of the singing and, and the music. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. It's a, it's a nice little addition to the household. Yes. And we actually did trial one thing, uh, 4K streaming versus 4K Blu-ray as well. Yeah, that was a great idea because I have heard that Disney Plus has got really, really good 4K streaming, but our internet connection isn't the best. And there was a noticeable difference in the visual, but I actually found that the audio was the biggest difference for me Mm. in in terms of that. But we've had that before where we've watched things. We've got a little um, home theatre set up. And when we've watched things in the theatre that we've streamed because we started watching all the Harry Potter movies a while back and when we watched them streamed and then for some reason or other we got the disc I think the internet might have been a bit buggy or something that day and swapping over to the disc we're like well we're gonna have to watch the rest on disc because the audio difference was outstanding Mm, definitely definitely Mm. see your physical media people it's like yeah no I agree wholeheartedly in terms of that stuff well, I reckon uh, we've we've talked out about having a, a TV in their bedroom and it's uh, been rather successful so far, I think. So, uh, but I reckon we should go to a our first of our three breaks and uh, and then come back and start reviewing some stuff. Sounds good. Thank you very much to all of our sponsors here at Radio Fremantle uh, for you know, keeping the uh, the lights on and keeping us uh, you know talking to the the wonderful people of the Fremantle community. Transmitting those airwaves. Indeed, indeed. Um, now we were going to talk about some films that are, uh, are <laughs> out. say films like a question. <laughs> <laughs> are they films though? Uh, well, actually, uh, there, there was. I, I was doing some research before the show yeah, mm-hmm. as the professional that I am, mm. uh, you know, to find out the, the news about um, stuff and things that are, are being made. Um, and did you know that there is a uh, there is a, a Big Thunder Mountain railway movie uh, being made at the moment? Yes. Oh, you did? Yes. Fair enough. <laughs> well, I'm... I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm uh, just finding out myself today, so there you go. Um... So apparently Bert and Bertie 
Um, I, I believe they're directors. There must be two of them, uh, or one person uh, with multiple personalities, um, or a prime minister, or maybe a prime minister. <laughs> um, they are uh, they directed Hawkeye and Our Flags Mean Death, and they're in negotiations to direct a feature film adaptation of Big Thunder Mountain. Interesting, because they're not always the most successful movies. The Disney attraction movies. Well, there was that little one they made that was fairly successful uh, called Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're forever trying to recapture lightning in a bottle with mm. uh, their other ones, which to me it's weird because... Um, Jungle Cruise was reasonably successful, I would have yeah, thought. Yeah, Jungle Cruise was successful and the chances are they might do a second one of those. But the one I'm, I'm just baffled by that they haven't managed to get across the gates yet is Haunted Mansion mm. because that seems like such an e- I mean, the, the Muppets Haunted Mansion... TV oh, show so that was amazing. It's yeah. like you could do something like that on the big screen. That'd be great. But um, yeah, Big Thunder Mountain's going to be an interesting one because yeah, it'll have to be a, a movie about like a runaway minecart or a runaway train at some point in time. So, which they've already done. Uh, it's called uh, Bullet Train, which we reviewed last week. <laughs> which what wasn't. Well, it wasn't really a runaway train for the whole film, but maybe at some point it is. So uh, you'll have to go and see the film to find out. Uh, but a film we did see uh, on Disney Plus, you know, Link Link, um, is uh, Prey, which is the new Predator film. And well, it's, we should call it Miracle Prey as well because it was just a movie that I had no interest in watching. But you came home and said, I really want to watch Prey and review it before um, before I can review it on Thursday's show and I was like oh look if you want to watch it out here I'll cook dinner and maybe I'll just catch a little bit of it but as time went on I found myself sitting down and watching more and more of it because the Predator franchise never appealed to me at all as I think you guys have probably said before and we've definitely said it on um, other forums I'm a scaredy cat (laughs) (laughs) when it comes to movies but did you find Prey uh, at all scary? No, I found it fascinating because, <laughs> and I think that the way that the movie was done, and I think it is quite different from the other Predator movies, is it, is it not? Apart from the fact that it's got a Predator and what the Predator's goals are. Oh, uh, well, I mean, that, that's the thing. is like you know, Predators, you know, as a concept, are a creature that goes to a place, you know, whether that place be Earth or another planet, uh, and they are searching for the apex predator in that place mm. to basically prove that they're better fighters and hunters than the apex predator of that, that place. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in the, the Predator um, series you had uh, in Predator 1 they – he went to a jungle and there were all these uh, mercenaries there uh, led by you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and that they, they were the people that he saw as the, the biggest uh, target. So he, he took them out. Mm. Um, then in uh, Predator 2, he was taking on Danny Glover, um, who was clearly too old for that chisnit. Um <laughs> And then, uh, and he was seen as the apex predator. No, I don't think so. I think he was a detective trying uh. to like because in that that case it was similar to prey in that you've got somebody that's going something ain't right here. Let me go and find out what's going on and take this thing down. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Then uh, you had a uh, the third Predator film. The third and fourth Predator films are kind of... Because I think Rodriguez did one called Predators and then there was another one called The Predator. But I haven't seen The Predator, so... Wow, you surprised me. Yeah, but I, I've always enjoyed the Predator films I've seen because it's, you know, man versus, like, monster kind of uh, a situation. Um, and The Predator always seems to have the advantage because it's it's got the cloaking thing, so it's... Yeah, the like, technology that it carries, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, uh, they've always been similar kind of, you know, in the modern era or the future kind of thing. So the fact that they've thrown back now to like the 1700s or 1720? I think he said it was 1720. It was 300 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, 300 years ago. Um, so you're, you're talking about, you know, America in the very early stages of becoming America. Mm. Um, so it's, you know... Ba- the uh, the the uh, Native Americans. Well, we should maybe call it the transition period yeah. of like you know going and invading and. Yes, yeah, and so in this film, you <coughs> excuse me, sorry, in this film, you see the uh, the the the, the uh, Native American people who are you know living their lives as a hunter gatherer kind of society, mm-hmm. um, and then you've got uh, a. Um, a, a girl who is like doing the gathering part of things, but her desire is to be a hunter and go out and, and hunt for food with um, the males of her tribe. Particularly her brother. I think her and her brother have a fairly strong bond mm, and, mm. you know, work well together as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so it, she's uh, doing that and she's like training herself to be a hunter and, and getting ready for like a rite of passage to like you know, take on uh, you know big game where instead of like hunting rabbits and you know small things that you know can't fight back you're talking about taking on something that can kill you so tigers Bear bears and, yeah well, sorry, not tigers lions bears th- those kind of things mm-hmm. um so it's it's really uh, it's well shot. I mean, uh, America has got some really amazing landscapes, mm. and they they took full advantage of that. Obviously, shooting with drones and things like that to get some uh, amazing shots of it. Um, but it did have uh, some um, you know white c- colonial people coming through as well. Although they weren't American, I thought they were French. Um, I thought Dutch. Dutch, oh, okay. Um, because of the accents, the accents and the way that they said their words, I thought maybe either Dutch or like maybe sort of Scandinavian. Right. Um, just their accents weren't, they were a little bit different. And I think there was some Dutch settlement, wasn't there? Because like you got New Amsterdam yeah, yeah. was the old name for New York. Interesting choice though, wasn't it? Maybe, I mean, maybe that was just the mix of people that were there at the time and it's all... Yeah, and because yeah. it's um, Comanche, like I don't know how where their tribes were based, like whether mm. they were throughout the country or whether they were just in one localised area, so it might be geographical as well. True, true. Um, but it was interesting to see uh, there was a, a particular scene which involved uh, a lot of dead buffalo and um, and uh, uh, Nuru coming across them mm. and her reaction to these buffalo that had been killed and just left um, mm. Was was interesting to show the show the difference between because they were just skinned to take their their fur and it's the difference between like the the native way of living in harmony with 
the world versus the the new world people who came in and just like took what they wanted and left behind what they didn't need. Mm, so that wasteful kind of concept. Yeah, yeah. I understand that. Yeah. So, but um, the, it was the film was just great. I mean, I've seen as I said, not all the Predator films. I think I'm missing one, but out of all of them, I think this is my favourite Predator film. Mm. Um, even from the design of the creature himself. Um, was it different from previous? Yeah, that actually, like, because in the past, because this is 300 years prior to the, the, the first Predator film. Right. Um, so in that first Predator film, the, the Predator had, like, you know, a metal helmet and, like, it had the laser sights and stuff like that that the Predator in this film has. But it was using lasers and things like that. Whereas this Predator had was more based on projectiles and uh, even though the projectiles were being shot using like you know, um, magnetism or something like that, mm. it was still a physical object that he was firing. Right. Whereas with the other one it was kind of like lasers and you're gone kind of thing. So, right, okay. Um, yeah, it was, that was interesting. And also the face mask of this predator looked more bone-like. Um, rather Slightly than more being, primitive than other ones that you've seen. Yeah, because it's usually like a metal-looking helmet. Right. Uh, in the in the other iterations. So, mm. yeah, which I thought was great. You know, just <laughs> you know, have a, a different kind of look to it because it was, you know, I guess when you're talking about a civilization who's, you know, managed to do, you know, in, you know uh, fast and light travel mm-hmm. and managed to, you know, have these lasers and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, it shows that they're, they're still developing over that 300-year period. Yeah. So, which was which was kind of cool. Can I ask, are the predators in the other movies, are they more monstrous? Because what I didn't find is I didn't find that the predator was necessarily scary mm-hmm. in this one. Like, obviously, I felt that he was a threat to them, but I didn't find his presence or its presence particularly scary mm-hmm. how does that compare to other predator movies yeah i mean initially in the, the before you see the predator before he's re- before they're revealed mm. they are always like in the sh- in the shadows they're hidden they're, they're they're killing people and you don't see where it is so it's got that kind of suspenseful feel to it right but when they reveal the, the predator um they're, you know, they're ugly creatures, but yeah, it's, I don't know, I, I think maybe as a kid I might have been scared, but mm. I, I think these days I'm so used to seeing them that they, I find them more interesting than scary. Okay, fair call. But yeah, it's, um, but I just thought the, 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 the way that this movie was done was great, like you, you got enough time uh, with the, the human characters to, you know, feel for them and understand their their struggle mm. and then you also got introduced to these douchebag humans and you go yeah i'd like to see these guys get taken out so <laughs> yep uh so it was yeah it was great so uh amber mid thunder plays naru and she's great she's really good i've heard a lot of people um calling on marvel to cast her now as x23 you know the clone yeah. of wolverine yeah I could see that. Um, her brother uh, Taby is played by Dakota Beavers, um, and both both actors are just like you, know, you can see big careers ahead for these guys. Mm. They just had so much presence on the screen. It was it was just really really cool. Um, guy, the guy who plays the Predator is um, Dane Liegro, um, and I'm desperate to know how tall this guy is because he seemed huge. <laughs> I think he was been on um, Walking Dead, so you've probably seen him in other stuff, Lou. 
Yeah, um, well, he's a basketball player, so yeah, definitely tall. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he he was uh, he must have he's six foot nine, six foot nine, which okay. is two point zero six meters. Well, it's very close to seven foot, so he's a tall guy. Um, but he also like three inches off. Dude. <laughs> he must like he must be uh, like a bodybuilder type person as well, because when you see the legs of the predator, you're just going. That was the thing that got me. The legs were so human. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the feet, the feet aren't. The feet have got claws and stuff like that on them. But the, uh, the, um, yeah, I could see the, 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 the height difference. Height difference, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, he. I thought he did a great job. Really, just you know, intimidating and just a big physical presence, which is what you need for that kind of character. Oh, look! I mean, you have a character that you know takes out like predators mm. like you know traditional predators like bears and stuff like that you're like holy heck <laughs> but the interesting thing is in the original predator film the predator was going to be played by jean-claude van damme <laughs> isn't he tiny yes <laughs> and the the costume was weird it was like this pink squid like or oh, pink like lobster type costume <laughs> i don't know how they got from that to their, what we saw on screen. No, like, the, the journey must have been a really interesting one. I'd really like to know more about that. There must be a book on it somewhere. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll find more details out for the, on, on that one for you. But I think they've done a great thing here because now you can look at you know, the predator throughout time and you know, taking on major threats of different eras. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I think it's e- it'll be easier to do in the in the more barbaric, and I, I say more barbaric, but then... Why do you use that term? Well, it, in like in the past, like there was more, you know, uh, people wanted your land, they would come and slaughter you and take your land. And gen- oh, like the random European dudes were. Exactly, yeah. But generally, like uh, these days, people don't do that so much, mm-hmm. except in a couple of instances, which we're experiencing now in some places. But... Um, uh, but in uh, you know, you could go back and have the predator versus Genghis Khan. You could have you know the the, the predator, um, you know the predator like coming into the civil predator war versus Hitler. Predator versus that would be awesome. <laughs> I'd love to see that. Um, but yeah, it just it just opens up the doors to so many different ways of uh, telling this story, which I think is great. More so than you know a bunch of. Burks go to a jungle. Yeah, I think that was the thing that appealed to me. It wasn't just like a whole lot of people with guns and you said, well, you know, there weren't always just guns. But largely it was about, you know, guns versus lasers and it was <laughs> like, eh. Whereas this was a lot more um, physical fighting and not that I particularly enjoy fighting, but I think that you enjoy the acrobatics of it. You enjoy, like, the effort that's gone into making it. But just so much in this film and the best puppy dog in the world. Yes, very true, very true. He's a very good doggo. So how many... Uh, <coughs> oh, sorry. How, how many, many coughs do I give it? Exactly, no, how <laughs> many out of five, how many things out of five do you give it? I'm going to give it four. I'm surprised I sat down and watched it. Nice. I, I'm going to give it uh, four um, uh, returnee uh, axes. Nice. Because uh, that's uh, that's like a pivotal in this film is the returning axe. <laughs> Check that out. It's like it's like an old fashioned Mjolnir. It's great. Um, <laughs> I never thought about analog Mjolnir. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. great. Uh, anyway, we're going to go to a another uh, ad, and we're going to come back. And actually, we're going to come back and talk about a film because the ad I'm going to play is for Lunar on Essex, and then we're going to talk about a film that's playing at Essex. Amazing. Cool as. 
Did you know that Fremantle has its very own art house cinema? You'll find Luna on Essex, midway along Essex Street in the heart of Fremantle, screening an incredible variety of niche, foreign language and quality mainstream films in comfortable and intimate surrounds. It feels more like your own home movie theatre rather than a cinema. Catch up with friends for a pre-show drink in the fully licensed Alfresco area or enjoy a glass of wine and a cheese platter during the movie. Check out what's on along with details of forthcoming films, festivals and added value events at lunapalace.com.au. And also a very nice place to go and, uh, you know, watch a movie and have some wine and stuff like that. Or you, you do you. You watch your movie however you want. Like, I love a glass of wine. That's one of the best things about going to Luna. It's, it's weird because originally like I used to go to a film and I'd have uh, like a Coke, popcorn and a Coke and, uh, and that sort of thing. And then they started serving coffee at the cinema. So then it would be like coffee and a biscuit. Mm. And, and now we've got to uh, wine. And, Can you uh, remember we went to a theatre in the UK and we were just absolutely amazed that you could buy a beer and take it into the theatre? <laughs> I, I, I am. It's, and I think the film we went to see was The Inbetweeners. I think it was. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It seems very apt. It was a huge cinema as well and we were drinking beer and going, my God, this is amazing, drinking beer in a theatre. Who would have thought about this? And then <laughs> like now we can finally like adults drink a beer in a theatre. It's lovely. It's great. Uh, uh, we didn't drink beer in a theatre when we watched this movie. We drank wine and had a bag of chips. <laughs> we, we did because it was that odd time where it was just like, it's too early to eat dinner beforehand it's but we need a little little holdover snack exactly exactly so we got the 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 bag of chips because the bag of chips there are like they're too big for one person but just enough for two so it's it's really unfortunate when i'm there by myself because i'm like going i'm either you can just eat half no that's not how (laughs) chips work (laughs) i've either got to eat all the chips or not have them at all an exercise in self-control it's like the marshmallow test we should do that with you one day Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but we saw uh, Tuesday Club, which is a, a new uh, Swedish film. I believe it was part of the Swedish Film Festival. It was part of the Scandinavian Scandi- Film Festival. Scandinavian Film Festival, sorry. Which um, a friend of mine at work is originally Finnish, and so she had a couple of movies that she wanted to go and check out. But the unfortunate thing is that sometimes the movies don't play for very long, and so she was you know, busy with work and stuff and didn't get to see a couple of the ones that she wanted to see. But I said, well, if you can stand to see a Swedish film, this one's really good. Oh, right. Nice. She's got no racism towards other Scandinavian (laughs) countries, FYI. It's just that she really wanted to see the Finnish ones. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this this film, uh, The the Tuesday Club, uh, is really good. Actually... It stars a uh, an actor that uh, people who watch you know, um, you know American films might know. Um, well, it stars a couple of actors that people might recognise. Okay, because uh, I, I recognise Peter Stormare, um, who plays Hendrik, who's this this grunt, disgruntled chef who's forced to teach um, amateurs how to cook um, his kind of Asian um, Swedish fusion food. Yep, uh, and. He is met. He meets uh, during this course, um, Karen or uh, Karen. It's Karen. It's like Karen with this I in it. Karen, is that? Uh, it's Karen. It's, it's K A R I N. It's Karen. I could. Well, they will call her Karen. It, it's just Karen. No, fair enough. Um, they might say Karen or something. Yeah, I think it might have been Karen. Yeah, but uh, it's just, let's just go with Karen. <laughs> but Karen um, had uh, just celebrated her. Was it 
40th. 40th. It was her ruby wedding anniversary. 40th wedding anniversary with her husband, Sten, and uh, which is kind of weird, like Karen and Sten. It's like, you know, it's like Stan and Karen. It's, yeah. I wonder if that's what they're going for. Um, so Sten, uh, he... Like he seems like the nicest guy in the world at the start of the film, don't you think? Like going, this guy's rocking. Yeah, he's fun. Yeah, he's a bit silly. He's a bit of a dad. Yeah, this this kind of guy you want to be a husband or a dad. He's great, Uh, but very quickly you realise, oh, he could be a bit of a douche, Um, and then uh, you discover that yes, yes, he is a bit of a douche, and uh, for reasons I won't go into, he finds himself uh, in hospital for a extended period of time, while uh, Karen is struggling with the. It's Karen still. So Karen is, <laughs> is struggling with the revelation that her husband of 40 years has been cheating on her with someone else. Mm-hmm. And she decides uh, through meeting an old friend uh, in, uh, uh, in, in Gela, uh, who she went to school with and hasn't... Think of it like Angela, so it's like Angela. Angela, okay. So Angela, uh, who she hasn't seen since high school, they, they reconnect because... Angela comes back to deal with her ageing and rapidly dying mother. Um, they reconnect. They go out to dinner at this, you know, really fancy restaurant. They see that you can get, uh, you know, these lessons on how to cook from this, you know, fantastic, you know, uh, Michelin-starred yeah, chef. Yeah, this is a bit of a distraction, I guess. Yeah. Um, so with their friend Pia, the three of them start going to this uh, cooking class. They meet all these other people who are from different you know, different uh, walks of life, different walks of life. Um, and they just, you know, discover what they like about life. And the thing is that uh, Karen hasn't really had a chance to know what she likes about life because she went from being in high school to being a mother mm-hmm. to looking after Sten and their daughter, Frederica, who is a person who works with horses, who's turning 30, who's got issues with that. There's some really just interesting stuff it's interesting stories in this movie. Interesting characters, that's yeah. for sure. And I think the thing that um, it really sort of focuses on is that Karen hasn't had an opportunity because she threw herself into that role of the good wife and mother and, you know, the daughter was into the horsey stuff from a very young age. So obviously there's a lot of driving to and from and that kind of thing and a lot of gear to deal with in terms of like, you know, washing and that kind of thing because horses look nice, but gee, they smell. They do. They do. (laughs) And so there's just this role that she took on and just threw herself wholeheartedly into it like it was a career. And then she comes out at the end of this... Um, this long period of 40 years and she's hit with the realisation that her marriage wasn't what she thought it was, that she doesn't have the relationship with her daughter that she thought she had and she never really got to do what she had a passion for in life, which was cooking. So I think that it's it's kind of like a healing process for her and like a reconciliation of what she wants to be and how she wants to live the rest of her life. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting film um, 
dealing with you know people's relationships in later years because mm-hmm. generally speaking when you're watching a film where it's like people struggling in relationships and that sort of thing mm-hmm. it's usually like younger people and you know struggling with getting into the relationships that that sort of thing mm-hmm. and sometimes relationships will run their course over a period of time and then you'll you'll see like the relationship uh, breaking down the people deciding to go their own separate ways but very rarely do you actually see that on film mm. so it's kind of nice that they're you know showing that and it's not in a depressing way when you see the film not at all and that's why i think it reminded me heaps of uh how to please a woman oh yes yes it reminded me so much of that like because there was obviously the similarity of a woman who just isn't getting what she needs at home and so she goes out and she develops herself a career around something that she realizes that she's actually passionate about and that she's got a real talent for so i think that it's it's kind of interesting to see two movies that are slightly similar i guess and both involve swimming as well. That is very true, very true. And they'd, they'd make a great double feature. Like it's, it's very rare that you would see a foreign film and a, you know, an English language film mm. back to back like that. But these two films would complement each other perfectly. I could really see them doing yeah. that. Yeah, and I kind of like the way in both movies you had characters that could offer characters that were going through turmoil um, they could offer them that solace and it wouldn't necessarily be the person that you thought it was. Like you'd expect the mother to be consoling the daughter about turning 40. Mm. You'd, um, but it wasn't. It was another character that really stepped into that role and really helped to mend all of the rifts as well. It's it's interesting just the way the characters all slotted in together and, and that's kind of how it is in life, isn't it? Yeah, and it's interesting with uh, Angela as well that you think that she's going to be, when she's introduced, you think she's going to be a disruptive character uh, into her life and in a way she was, but disruptive in a good way. Mm, mm, like almost like a circuit breaker. Mm, yeah. Because, mm. um, you know, you've got two friends that every Tuesday they do this and she's like, well, no, do that another day. We'll do this. Yeah. <laughs> this can be done any day of the week, but this only happens on this day of the week. And so off they go to the cooking class and and it just broadens their friendships and they they really work together as a team, the whole cooking class, to really produce some amazing results as well. Mm, like I, you I, walk out of that film hungry. Yeah, <laughs> there's some good cooking in there and you can tell that they got some uh, you know people who are photographers of, photographers of food to actually like get the food pictures because mm. um, it was yeah you're right it was some, some nice food that they were, they were cooking you really need to do this uh, watch this movie in a restaurant getting served some nice food definitely and having watched like shows like chef's table and things like the whole idea of scandinavian food i was just like going oh that sounds really nice <laughs> We should go there one day. Well, it's, it's on the list. We well, definitely got to go. Got to go there and uh, you know experience things like a sauna. <laughs> oh no! Please don't. There's a. There's I a, was waiting for you to actually try and pronounce the um, the film name in Swedish. I was very disappointed that you didn't give that a shot at the, at the top of the segment. Tig Tig Clubben. Tig Clubben. Yeah, because like Tisdags is kind of like. It sounds like Tuesday, right? Yeah. It's very similar. Just and clubbing. Clubbing, yeah. So if we want to go clubbing when we get to sweet, we'll <laughs> be able to find a club easily. Especially on a Tuesday. Um, <laughs> no, it's great. This is a really good film. Like, uh, yeah, it's just – I can see why they went, yeah, this, this film can't just be in a film festival. This needs to get a wider release. More eyes need to be on this film. So they're doing some – 
advanced screenings, aren't they? So they start this. Oh, they start tomorrow, mm-hmm. and then the actual season proper starts on the twenty fifth. But I mean, it's something that you could take your mum to. Yes. Like and and like, I think she'd enjoy it. I think you know parents would enjoy it. I think you know people our age would enjoy it. We did. Yeah, I, I think that there's you know. I wouldn't take a kid to it. No. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think the kids would enjoy it so much, but uh, particularly if they're not of reading age, because obviously <laughs> subtitled. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic film. I am going to give uh, the Tuesday Club um, four and a half sauna boobies. <laughs> oh, that's harsh. I'm going to give it five line dances. Oh, nice. Very well done. All righty then. Well, we've got, got to go to our final ad of the evening and then we will come back uh, with something else after this. Thank you very much again to all of our sponsors and thank you very much to our president, David, who just did that awesome ad. Uh, now we've got uh, one more film to review that is it's been out on Netflix for a little while now actually I keep on forgetting during the ad uh, to put a sock on my microphone because there's no sock on my microphone and that baby's popping yeah so could you just take that sock off that microphone take your socks off for me it's you can be as rough as you want because it's not on that mic that's a dead mic uh because oh, I hadn't turned it up. And I'm just going to turn my mic off for a second. So uh, if you can just uh, vamp for a bit. <laughs> vamp? I don't know how to vamp. This is a foreign concept to me. What, what's this vamping and how do we do it? Well, you've just done it. So well done. <laughs> Good on you. Uh, yeah, so now you'll notice you probably can't hear my uh, breathing from my nose anymore. Yeah. Um, which is, which That's is what... like 45 minutes of you breathing through your nose, dude. Well, it was, you know, it was ASMR for the people who like that and now I just thought like happy birthday Cecilia I thought last 15 minutes of the show we'll just go uh, we'll put that sock on it uh, and and uh, we'll stop the the the, the nose breathing Um, the grey man is a a new film that is uh, out now on Netflix uh, and this this film has got some uh, some credentials behind it Um, we're talking uh, Joe Russo talking Anthony Russo you may have heard of those guys directed a couple of small films uh, called you know, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Oh, is that what they did? Captain America, uh, Civil War, Infinity, Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Those are the guys that directed that. They're also, they're joined by um, writers Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, who I think also wrote some of those films. I believe so. Uh, so there's some real massive pedigree in the writers and directors of this film, but it doesn't stop there. When, uh, when you're talking about pedigree. No. We've also got Ryan Gosling, who plays Six. Uh, he's been in some big films. Uh, Chris Evans used to be a guy called Captain America. Oh, is that where I've seen him before? Yeah, yeah. Uh, young man called Billy Bob Thornton used to be married to Angelina Jolie's, made a couple of films <laughs> is, is in his time. Is that the best you could do? What about Bad Santa? I mean, that's <laughs> the best reference that I could ever have for him. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Jessica Henwick, she uh, has been in a few things. I think... Ah, I think, was she in Shang-Chi? Yes, she was, I believe. Uh, No, um, Iron Fist, She was in Iron Fist. Yeah, not in Shang-Chi. Iron Fist she was in, but there was another film that she'd been in recently. I can't uh, remember. What's the Mm, film? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, She was in The Matrix, I think. She was in, was it called Resurrections? That's that's what it was, yes, yes. That was uh, the thing that I I saw her in uh, recently in Resurrections. And obviously like Luke Cage as well because of crossovers and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, a lot of great actors in this film, uh, great directors, great writers. Um, Ooh, she was in Game of Thrones as well. Oh, okay. Who uh, <laughs> Well, Probably uh, not the forum for it. I won't, I won't go into deep dives, but she was one of the Sands. Fair enough. Um, the Grey Man is a, a story about, well, the principle of it is kind of similar to The Suicide Squad. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> In that uh, you've got uh, you know, Billy Bob Thornton's uh, character is a, a CIA operative, but he's more of a person who gets an asset uh, to put them back in the field. And the grey man is a person who is basically expendable. So mm-hmm. they're, they're someone who's a, a prisoner. They go, right, we're going to get you out of jail. You get your life back, kind of. But you actually don't get your life back because you cease to be. Yeah. And so you're not seeing your family, you're not seeing your friends, you're basically just doing whatever the CIA asks you to do and the only thing is that you're just not spending the rest of your life behind bars. Correct. Um, so there's several of these grey men and uh, Ryan Gosling plays six and he is tasked to take out a, a person who's got some information on the CIA that could be damaging to them. And then he finds out that this person who he's being tasked to kill is another grey man. Dun, dun, dun. And this grey man gives him some information that um, leads him to be hunted down by uh, the, the CIA. And the CIA enlist a, um, a, a nasty pasty <laughs> <laughs> called Lloyd... H- I think he's like a contractor. I yeah, think it's like... It's not even, yeah. yeah. Um, a, a, um, a really nasty piece of work called Lloyd Hansen, played by Chris Evans. And it is Chris Evans just relishing every bit of evil he can muster mm-hmm. in this role. He, like, even though we've loved him, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, loved him as Captain America, we've, you know, uh, just, we just think he's a fantastic you know, actor and character. Uh, like, when he plays bad, he can play really bad. And in this film, he's just, like, the, the most horrible person you can imagine. Uh, from the, Like, creepy horrible. Yeah. Yeah, like, he's kind of, like, serial killer kind of horrible. He's got no moral fibre whatsoever. Um, so he's tasked to hunt down uh, Ryan Gosling. And so, you know, two great actors who are really good at action, you know, facing off against each other. Mm. Um, it's just a really uh, entertaining film where you've got the, the, the CIA, uh, you know, you've got the bad, the bad guys, all the spy craft, all that kind of stuff. Um, really good action scenes. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the film, but it still had that kind of made-for-Netflix made look that made it slightly less cinematic for me. Yeah, definitely. And we watched it on the big screen as yeah. well. So it was one of those things where we're like, well, we gave you the best shot we could, mm. but didn't make it any less enjoyable. No, no, it was, it was enjoyable. I just don't understand why films made for Netflix don't look cinematic. Even, mm. even though you've got massive directors and you've got great writers and you've got huge stars, what is it they're doing with filming it that just makes it look slightly lesser then? Is it because we're streaming it? 
to watch it? I don't know. Well, that's the thing. We won't know because mm. as far as we're aware, you can't buy these things as physical copies. So it'll be very hard to, you know, unless we can find somebody who's got a really, really good, you know, uh, internet connection and they're getting like, you know, 8K's worth of, um, you know, streamingness. I just don't know if we're going to be able to see the, the film. At, well, I think we're seeing the film as it's meant to be seen. Yeah. But I'm just thinking, why is it not as like cinematic as it should be? Because mm. I, I enjoyed the film, but I just didn't get that same kind of you know cinematic feel that I get was I if I was in a cinema watching a similar kind of film. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I think I understand, and I think that we've had that experience as well with that. What was that Chalamet um, old King movie <laughs> that we saw, and we watched that in a cinematic setting, and that's had the same sort of feel to it, didn't it? Because that was a Netflix movie. Mm, mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. It just, yeah, there's something to do, do with the way that they're filmed, and which is bizarre because you just think it's... They, it's filmed by the Russos. And you think they'll be using the same kind of cameras that you would be filming to film something that's shown on the... the Mm. In the cinema, that's what I don't understand. Or maybe it's because you know that it was made for Netflix. Maybe it's just a psychological thing. I'm not sure. Like, it's just... Because even um, when we watched... I'll, like, blind test you on the next one. <laughs> yeah. When we watched The Bubble, again, another film made for, for Netflix. Oh, very much that so. That had th that same kind of feel to it. Do you think it's not necessarily that it's a made-for-Netflix film, but it's the period that it was made during? Like, maybe there's something that happens in a film set where there's so many precautions have to be taken. Like if you're a creative and some of your time has to be taken up thinking about keeping the cast and crew safe from, mm. um, from illness, then does that affect your creativity? I'm not, I don't think it's that. Because, I mean, it's the same thing that um, uh, the, the Chris Hemsworth movie that we saw the other week as well, that was another one that was, uh, again, made for Netflix. And mm -hmm. that's but same period that exactly. it was made during. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand that. But yeah, but that didn't have that feeling for you? No, it still did. Still had that kind of feeling. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So maybe there's something that creativity, like when you're taking so many precautions and you can, you've got to be your know, mask on, mask off, uh, I don't Maybe know. it ruins it a little bit. I don't know. because ruins you, the magic. But you think about all the stuff that Disney's made during that time as well. Uh, Live action? Uh, the TV stuff. Like the, oh, yeah, you, yeah, You look yeah. at all the TV stuff and that stuff, even but though it's that, on TV, it's cinematic. Your expectation's different because it's for TV. It's not for cinema. No, no. I, I still think like if you look at if you look at the the Marvel TV shows and you look at the um, you look at like Mandalorian, Boba Fett, uh, you know, you look at all of the Star Wars stuff, mm. Obi Wan Kenobi. Still, even though it's on TV, it's still cinematic. So I don't know whether it's the cameras that they're using for Netflix are just not up to par or what it is. But uh, the as far as the, the story was great, the acting was great. Um, can't fault any of that, but it's still the look of it. It was just lesser. And to be honest, it wasn't a particularly new subject matter. Like you said, it was something that kind of felt like it had been done before a little bit as well. It wasn't just something that we could sit down and like really immerse ourselves in because we were comparing it to other movies as we were watching it. Yeah, no, that, that is very true. Yeah, it's which is interesting, like, you know, that you've got two... Uh, directors who are so you know they've got such unique voices but mm. they're doing a, a subject matter which is very yeah as you said been done before like you know uh you know somebody is you know 
working for a, a company, they find out some stuff about it, they become the person on the run. It's not new, it's not original, but it was, um, it was still, it was in, enjoyable. But uh, what would you score the grey man? I think I'd probably go with about three and a half. 42 regulars. 42 regulars. Are you a 42 regular? Um, I will give um, the grey man um, three and a half. Oh, I'm just struggling on what to, what to give it. Uh, three. Do you want me to throw you something? Yeah, go on. Go with thumb drives. Okay, three and a half thumb drives. Why? Oh, it's a spy movie. Of course there's thumb drives. Indeed. Why Why not? Let's uh, say to that. Now, uh, you and I have got to get out of here we do. very shortly. Uh, we've got to get home to watch She-Hulk, which has dropped today on uh, the Disney Plus. Uh, and so I am going to put on a, uh, a very quick um, uh, song to let uh, Quizzy bump in. Um, and, yeah, I think <laughs> I'm just going to play a Bond theme. Something easy. Uh, here is Diamonds Are Forever. We will be back next week with more Unscripted Film Show. Please stay tuned for Quizzy and his great digging. And until then, bye. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Gentlemen of Pop Culture. <laughs>